Well, another week of college football is in the books. And we are excited to be back for another riveting episode of Running for the Roses, a Rose Bros podcast production. Joined by my crack shot team of Mr. Ryan Bathalukas and Lucas Rohde. We'll start calling you guys Ryan Bathalukas Rohde just so I don't have to say one name. How do you guys feel about that? Just say like Ryan and Rohde, like we're like a Ryan and Rohde. like an afternoon, like, like afternoon know, drive, drive time. Ryan and, now, and um, Ryan and Rohde in the afternoons, 104.5. Yeah, 104.5 LPX. <laughs> so, boys, did we, did we have a good week? Uh, Lucas, I know you were in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago. Um, made it back to Nashville, birthplace of country music, where Ryan and I will be joining you in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. You have a good week? Your badges yeah, actually had- showed up? Yeah, they played much better. I mean, obviously, Eastern Michigan, so not the toughest of opponents, but no. Uh, it was good. Had really no plans this weekend. So watched a lot of college football, enjoyed myself. And, uh, I just cooked a very nice, uh, Canadian cod stew tonight. That was delicious. Ooh. So uh, I feel very, very well tonight. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this weekend was a really fun weekend of college football. I like, there wasn't the amount of meaningful matchups that you had in week one, but there were some fun games in every window. Um, mm-hmm some kind of cool matchups. You had like Pitt, Tennessee, uh, Iowa, Iowa State's always just a, a grinded out, you know, play in the mud kind of a game. Like Texas and Arkansas, it was cool to see a really cool atmosphere down there in Fayetteville. Um, got some really good Pac-12 after dark games with USC Stanford and ASU UNLV and UVA just got their ass handed to them. So it was a, it was a, uh, and it was a it was a good weekend of college football. I'm looking forward to talking yeah. with, about it. With yeah, so we will get we will get into all the recaps here um, after we go over some weekly awards. We'll go over some recaps, talk about some exciting things. But we want to start with the breaking news that actually came out today. Today is Monday, September 13th. The big news that came out today: Clay Helton is out at the University of Southern California. Apparently, USC had had enough. There was a lot of talk going into the season that this kind of had to be the year for Clay Helton. And uh, it turns out it didn't have to be the season. It just had to be two whole weeks. Ryan, what are your, what are your kind of thoughts on Clay Helton and kind of out? Is this the right move for USC, a team that we thought was kind of rising? And it's, then... a, it's, a, it's a strange move. I mean, it, I, th- I think it's a move that most people thought was going to be inevitable. I think most people looked at Clay Helton and said, he's not going to get USC where they want to be, which is in the national championship playoff discussion every single year. And USC had just not been in there. They went five and seven in 2018, eight and five in 2019. And then obviously had a really good year in 2020, but it was, it was six games and they didn't play in a bowl game and had to miss the Pac-12 championship game. Um, It was a bad loss against Stanford. I mean, like you said, Patrick, this was kind of the year that the, 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 the roster came together Um and to just get shelled by a Stanford team that had just gotten blown out by Kansas State the week before. And I think part of it was, I think the USC administration, the boosters, they looked at what happened in Columbus with Oregon. They looked at how well UCLA has been playing, and they said, we're falling behind. I mean, we're we're on the, a path to be the third or fourth best program in our in our conference. So they made the move. It's early um I, you know i don't know what the pros and cons are 
to firing a coach in the middle of September. I don't know if you're going to have somebody in before you would normally have had somebody in, but you know, this was probably going to be an eight and four, nine and three team. So it's probably inevitable. He was going to get fired. So why not do it now? Lucas. Yeah. Well, and I think um, I actually heard a good quote on a podcast that I, uh, another college football podcast I listened to where basically they were saying, you know, a lot of teams can't afford to fire their head coach. And they basically said the opposite was with Clay Helton was USC couldn't afford to keep him hired um, just because you were losing so much support for the boosters coming off a COVID year where you had no fans, fan attendance was drastically down at USC games too. And I think we're all surprised it happened in the second game of the season. He kind of got like the Lane Kiffin treatment though. He beat him at, he beat Lane Kiffin by two games at least. But <laughs> uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was surprising, but I mean, they, I mean, that game against Stanford was just awful. Um, they were down at one point, I think, by 29 points in the second half, giving up 42 points to a Stanford team that only put up seven against Kansas State the week before. I believe my question to you guys was, is this real? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was in a meeting at work, and somebody texted me, like, the tweet, and it just had this, like, statement from Mike Baum, and I was like, all right, like, what does this mean? I thought they maybe fired, like, a coordinator – or like a position coach or something, or maybe like Mike Bond gave him the dreaded vote of confidence, you know, tweet like Clay Helton's our guy. We feel like he's going to turn it around. No, I mean, this was, I, I'm sure this has happened before. I'm trying to think of a, of the last time where a, a major prominent job opened up on September 13th after two games. I mean, USC was ranked in the top 15 last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, like this was, and you only lost one game. Conceivably USC could have put it together and finished 10 and two and won the South. Um, and they just, there was just no, but I think to Lucas's point, like there was just no belief internally and with the boosters and the fans and the administration that Helton was the guy. Well, and it also begs the question of like, was there more going on behind the scenes than we probably already know? Was it the whole, all right, he's got a really short leash. Well, he kind of choked himself on it. So, you know, kind of bygones be bygones. I, I think for a USC program that probably was looking to be at least bowl eligible. I think what this does is this does give you a certain level of advantage of going, okay, well, we're going to play football games, but does this give us kind of the foresight to sit here and go, let's get all our, all, all of our cards in order. So that way, when we, when we do reach January, um, we can finally go out and say, this is our guy. We know this is our guy. We're the first dog to the bowl. Let's make sure we get the right guy and give you a little bit of time because we know with college football hires, there have been times where there's a hot name and if you don't offer the job first, you don't get the guy and that guy turns out being wrong. Is this USC kind of saying, you know what? We kind of gave the job to Clay Helton when we probably wasn't the best idea. Same thing with Sark last time around. He had the job that maybe USC's going, let's go ahead and take a little bit more time and kind of hope that the systems we have in place kind of pay off. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a good point. Um, it gives you a chance to identify what you're looking for in a coach. It gives you a chance to work the back channels and talk to agents and talk to different people with those coaches. Um, you know, this is a good job. I, I still think this is the best job in the Pac-12. I, I know Oregon's got a ton of financial resources and they're in, in maybe the easier side of the conference. But you're in Southern California with the NIL rules that have just passed. I mean, there are very few programs that can offer the attention and the money that USC can in Southern California. So 
this to me is one of the best five to six to eight jobs in the country. Now, you have to wonder when three or four coaches don't work out in a row, what is holding this back internally? Um, but this should be a job that is very coveted. And I know that some big names have been thrown around already. And we'll see if USC can go out and get them. This should not be a, we're going to hire the hotshot Mountain West coach. We're going to hire the hotshot American coach. This should be like, go pluck a sitting established power five coach and, and have them take you where you want to go. So, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't take Jay Norvell for the USC job? Well, or uh, Brett Brennan from San Jose, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so th- th- therein lies the next question, I guess, is who gets this job when it's all said and done? Um, Lucas, you want to you want to go first here? Well, I think I think, and we were kind of mentioning it on our group chat. I think there's three names that probably I I would they would be my top three choices if you're trying to go for established head football coaches. Um, I think the one that makes the most sense is probably Luke Fickle, um, just because Mike Bone, the, the AD at USC, was the AD at Cincy when they hired Luke Fickle. And we obviously know Luke Fickle's done a tremendous job at Cincinnati. I don't think he's going to leave that program unless he gets a top-tier Power 5 job. Um, and then probably James Franklin is a name that was thrown around the last time or a couple of years ago when there was talk that Clay Helton was going to lose his job. I think he would fit the LA, <laughs> the LA kind of mentality and everything like that perfectly. Um, and I think Matt Campbell at Iowa state, who obviously is going to get thrown around for every job and with the stuff going on, not just with Iowa state, but also with the big 12 uh, with that conference, slowly losing power as Texas and Oklahoma leave. Um, I think there's even greater incentive um, for him to leave ship. So I think those are the three. I mean, Ryan, did you have any other well, you know, potential candidates? I, I, I think those three are really atop the list. I'll just read you a, a tweet from Pete Dammel from Yahoo Sports. He said, early list for USC, James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, PJ Fleck, Mario Cristobal, Greg Schiano, and Tony Elliott. He also mentions Chris Peterson and Bob Stoops. Um, I don't think Cristobal leaves. I don't think Bill O'Brien gets the job. I think it's unlikely PJ Fleck gets the job in Tony Elliott or uh, Greg Schiano. So I, 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 I do think the names that intrigue me the most are Franklin Campbell, fickle, Chris Peterson. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I jokingly said in another chat with some friends, you know, if I gave you 10 to one odds that urban Myers, the head coach of USC, like, would you like, would you take it? Like <laughs> I, I, and I, I, I say this mostly sarcastically, but I could a hundred percent, see a scenario where the Jaguars are like three and nine and urban Meyer retires because of health concerns, or he says the NFL is not for him or it's the stress. And then he's hired from USC within the next, you know, couple of weeks, like, like Bobby Petrino, like remember yeah. like Bobby Petrino, Nick Saban, all these guys have been like, I'm not going back to college and they go back to college. So I think what's, I think James Franklin's likely, um, he doesn't have the best job in his own division. It's going to be an uphill battle every year with Ohio state. Um, and he is a hot enough name to where he can get this job. And I think it's a good fit. I think Lucas, what you said about Matt Campbell, super intriguing with the whole big 12 stuff. And maybe listen, maybe Matt Campbell realizes he's maxed out what he can do at Iowa state. Mm -hmm. They went to the Fiesta bowl last year. Um, yeah, you're going to lose Oklahoma. You're going to lose Texas. So maybe you become the best team in that conference. But what does that mean in five years? Like what is the big 12 going to be in five years? Does it have the same mystique? Is it a power five conference? Like we just don't know. 
Um, Matt Campbell would be my first call if I was USC. I think he's a great CEO of a program. I think he's a great talent evaluator, and I think he'd be a great fundraiser. I just think he's a great coach. So I would my first call be to Matt Campbell. And I do know that with Fickle and Campbell, well, I don't know, but a lot of people report that they are waiting for two jobs. They are waiting for Notre Dame and Ohio State. And if, if Ryan Day ever moves on to the NFL or Brian Kelly moves on or those programs get sick of them, those are the jobs that especially – like Luke Fickle yeah. might just hold out for Ohio State mm-hmm. because he's he was a former D.C. there, a former player there, like former interim coach there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you, you never know. But my guess is one of those three names is the coach, Franklin, Fickle, or Matt Campbell. Not Jack Del Rio. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, but who knows? I mean, when Pete Carroll got hired at USC, that was a complete shocker. A lot of people thought he was a failure as an NFL coach. He had never coached in college before. So, and that ended up working out fantastically. So, um, some of these, and even our, our, uh, our friend, uh, Josh Nishone, who's kind of our inside source at USC, thinks that the, it'll probably be someone we're, we're not expecting to. So um, who knows? Chris Peterson, I, I, I think Chris Peterson kind of makes sense for that because, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you fire Clay Helton because you have a lead on Chris Peterson. And yeah. unlike these other, because if Matt Campbell or like Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, Franklin, like those guys aren't going to leave before their season's over. So the earliest you're going to get one of those guys is early December, maybe mm-hmm. later if they make a conference title game. Chris Peterson's out there. And Chris Peterson would also be a home run. Most people don't think he would take the job, but who knows? He's been out of coaching now for two years and lives in LA, or at least I see him on the Fox show on Saturday. So he's, <laughs> he's in LA on the weekend. So I think that's an interesting name, Bob soups as well. Like these guys that kind of have the itch to come back and they're out a couple of years and all of a sudden their batteries are recharged. Like we see this all the time. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see. Yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting track um, as part of kind of a banner weekend in the Pac-12. Of what a weird weekend in the Pac-12. Yeah, right? Really a weird Just weekend. A weird. The, 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 there, there's never a dull moment in the Pac-12. Never. This is never a dull moment. Never, ever, ever. Okay, so I think at this point in the show, what I think we should do before we dive into uh, recaps and kind of talking about the games... Let's give away some weekly awards. This is my favorite part of the show where we give our way our weekly roses. Okay. For those unfamiliar, our roses go to individuals, units, coaches, whomever, who we think did an outstanding or exemplary job in a college football game, whether that's storylines or just out and out performance. And I'm going to go first because now well, I'm going to. That's your right as a, as a, as a warm blooded American, as a warm blooded man, I'm going to go first. <laughs> so uh, my rose this week goes to the unit. I think led to the biggest upset of the weekend. Well, maybe not the biggest upset of the weekend, but the one that was probably one of the most watched. I'm giving my rose this week to the Oregon duck offensive line. Okay. For those of you who live under a rock, of course, the Oregon ducks beat Ohio state this weekend. Um, 35 to 28, seven points. And the reason why I'm going to give it to the Duck O-line is if you watch the game for starting, the running game was outstanding. This Oregon Duck team is basically a very strong reflection of Mario Cristobal. 
where it's very much we're going to beat you up front, we're going to control, and we're going to kind of move the football. Here's the stat to bear in mind. The the Ohio State defense is full of four- and five-star guys, all up and down. The duck line this week, 35 dropbacks to pass, zero sacks. 38 carries from running backs and, and their quarterback. Only one negative rush. That's the story right there. Anytime they were running that outside pitch, Ohio State couldn't stop it. Every time they wanted to go up the gut, Ohio State was like, okay, we'll carry, you'll carry us for three or four yards. You're still on the chain. So I believe that this Oregon Duck offensive line was definitely the strength. And I'm interested to see what – and even the defensive line played well. Um, and they'll play even better once Thibodeau comes back and is healthy because he very well might be the number one pick in the draft. But the Oregon Duck offensive line, you get my rose this week. It's a good one, Patrick. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a really good pick. And Mario Cristobal really has tried to re rework the image of Oregon, right? Oregon these, under Chip the, Kelly. These aren't these aren't your Chip Kelly Ducks no more. Yeah, this is not your older brother's Oregon Ducks. I mean, this is a physical team that dominates the line of scrimmage, and that's what they did against Ohio State. And that was that was the game. I mean, mm-hmm. the way they were able to run the football, protect Anthony Brown, who I thought played really well. Um, it's a good rose. It's a good rose. Mm-hmm. May I go next? Absolutely. Go ahead. My rose is going to go to Sam Pittman, the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Woo pig. Um, (laughs) Arkansas had a really good first year under Sam Pittman, but it was a COVID year, no non-conference. People were skeptical. They lose Felipe Franks. KJ Jefferson steps in as the, as the quarterback. They have a less than stellar debut against rice when they're down at halftime and people are thinking, all right, you know, Arkansas was fun, but this is still a bottom feeder in the conference. Worst team in, in, in its division. They survive against Rice. They get a backdoor cover, much to Lucas's uh, pleasure. <laughs> and then uh, they host Texas in a game that was just an, an insane atmosphere. Um, and they kicked the living hell out of Texas. They beat them 40-21. to 21. The game was not that close. Texas added some points in the fourth quarter. They rush for over 300 yards. They almost double Texas in total yardage, 471 to 256. Um, they push Texas around, and they humbled Texas, right? Texas looked really good in week one against Louisiana. They were top 15 team. Everybody was picking them. I bet on Texas, minus seven. It was one of my, that was my lock of the week last week, and I lost it. Um, <laughs> I was just so impressed with Arkansas. I was so impressed with their physicality. On offense and defense, every time I saw Texas, and it's kind of like what Patrick said with Oregon, they dominated both lines of scrimmage. They were consistently in the backfield. They held Bijan Robinson in check. The star Texas running back had 19 carries for 69 yards. Um, Hudson Card, the quarterback for Texas, looked rattled. He was only 8 of 15 for 61 yards. He was pulled. Um, So just a, a huge breakthrough win for Arkansas. Um, and then hey, in two weeks, they get A&M and A&M doesn't have their quarterback and looked very pedestrian against Colorado. So could be interesting here. Our, I, uh, I give a lot of credit to Sam Pittman. It was a hire that was much kind of aligned at the time and he has been a perfect fit there. So Sam Pittman, uh, gets, gets my rose. Lucas. Lucas. Very nice. Well, I'm going a little bit outside. Wasn't a marquee game at all this year or this past week, but, um, it was early. It was a 10 o'clock. Local time start here uh, in Illinois and Virginia. And I'm actually taking uh, the quarterback 
for the Cavaliers and Brennan Armstrong threw for over 400 yards, had five touchdowns and offense. Honestly, like we didn't really talk a ton about Virginia, even though the last time the ACC had divisions, they actually won the coastal, but they looked really, really good. Um, and he looked good. That offense looked dynamic. Um, I know, yes, it was against Illinois, but, um, the fighting Brett Balebos. <laughs> I think it just shows, uh, you know, they uh, Virginia might have a pretty darn good quarterback. And I think that's going to be pretty scary if you combine that with Bronco Mendenhall. Mendenhall usually has pretty good defenses to go on there in a wide open coastal division. Um, I'm excited to actually watch uh, Brandon Armstrong go up against Sam Howell next week um, in that game. I already took the over in it at 64 and a half. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving it to uh, Brandon Armstrong for um, being awesome this past Saturday. I am. Um... Quick story about that game. So I did a kind of a late parlay and the first leg of my parlay was Illinois plus 10 and a half. And I'm sitting there and cause it was on before the other games. It was an hour yeah. earlier. So I, I put it on and all of a sudden it's 14, nothing. I get, well, this is over. <laughs> I said, I said, how many times can you lose your parlay before the noon games? Even? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was very upset when we jumped on to watch the Oregon, Ohio state game. <laughs> Ryan was already like, just like, I don't. I was like, at least, I mean, thankfully, I just didn't have a lot of hope, but still, it was a little frustrating. Come on, Illinois, play some defense. We we got stuck on Illinois that first week against Nebraska. I think we all picked him. And then I picked them last week against UTSA. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not trusting Illinois. New new rules. No, 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 no Illinois picks anymore. Yeah, no, this is done. We're Uh, we're officially off the Brett Bielema train, man. It's, It's done. It's done. <laughs> Maybe yeah, next no, year. No, no, no next more. year we'll come back. No, no, no more. All right. So those are our roses. Um, if you listen to the podcast and you, you were given a rose, um, you're not getting one in the mail. Um, we're too broke and we don't have time. So let's talk some recaps. Let's talk about some big games of the week. Um Let's talk about this. Is there one game for each of you that kind of stuck out that you kind of were like, this is the game this week? That you're like, this is the game I watched, kind of understood and said, this is it. Well, I mean, I I hate to be a cop-out, but I'll take Oregon and Ohio State. I mean, I think that was the game I had the most eyeballs on, watched from start to finish, and it was just such a a weird game. I mean, we're, we're starting to see these PAC 12 schools just be a lot more physical, right? Like we saw UCLA out physical LSU and Oregon, just like you said, Patrick controlled both lines of scrimmage. Oregon was missing. It's two best defensive players, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Flo and Kayvon Thibodeau. And yeah, they gave up 28 points, but they held their own against Ohio state. I mean, see CJ Stroud, the numbers look good, but I'm not, I don't think a lot of people are sold on him. Um, and for Oregon to just, run all over the Ohio state defense for Anthony Brown to look that good. I mean, we have, there has not been a PAC 12 team that, that is this good for the last couple of years. I mean, really um, Washington was the last team under Chris Peterson to make the college football playoff from, from the, the PAC 12. And, and it was nowhere near the caliber of this Oregon team. Mario Cristobal has done a fantastic job recruiting and it's starting to um, show on the field. So I was really impressed with Oregon. I mean, to go into Columbus against a top five team and and get a win. And, you know, I jokingly told Patrick when it was like 2014, I was like, ah, you know, Ohio State's just so deadly, man. I could, I mean, they were just, Ohio State would score in big chunk plays, but they had a hard time establishing consistent drives against that Oregon defense. And Oregon just ran it right down their throats. 
Um, so I think that's probably my big takeaway at first is that's the first one that pops to mind. Yeah. And I think that to kind of add on that, I think one of the biggest things I took away from that was also just Ohio state's defense is just not really up to snuff. I don't think at least through two games. They struggled. We kind of, I think, kind of forgot. They really struggled against Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota ran for over 200 yards against them, too. Um, and now two weeks in a row, um, you get out-physicaled at the line of scrimmage. I, they, they have to clear that up. Otherwise, I don't – I think they're still okay in the Big Ten, but there's no way they're going to win a playoff game if they come playing like that on the defensive side of the ball. But, you know, for me, looking at, you know, kind of uh, some other games, I think – Iowa, Iowa State kind of sticks out. Um, Iowa getting another big time win. I think if you just, it's early in the season, but I don't think anyone has better wins right now than Iowa does. They steamrolled Indiana uh, two weeks ago and then this past Saturday. Um, you know, they cream Iowa State, even though I think it's kind of an outlier. I'm not selling too, or not buying too hard in Iowa. They only had 173 yards worth of offense, um, they were able to force four turnovers actually return one of those for a touchdown. But um, it just feels like an Iowa team that's just going to play really, really gritty defense, just get enough on offense, and just kind of make you beat yourself. Um, but shout out to the Hawkeyes. They're now up to, I think, fifth in the polls. Um, I don't know if they're that good, but um, a heck of a resume already starting out uh, there for the Hawkeyes. Um. You know, it's weird. Iowa has three defensive touchdowns. I think they forced mm-hmm. seven or eight turnovers. But yeah. so, like, I don't know what to think. Like, part of me is yeah. like, wow, like, that's a really, I mean, because you're right, Lucas. Nobody has the wins they do. Um, But part of me thinks it's a little fluky. Like, I, I think yeah. they're the best team in the West. But would I be surprised if they went nine and three? No. no. You know, like. Yeah. I, um, I agree. I just don't think that level of play is sustainable through a whole right. season. The other game that I, I kind of wanted to touch on was Texas A&M Colorado. Um, that was a game that I had on in, in the afternoon window and painful offensively. <laughs> Texas A&M loses Haynes King and he's going to miss some time with a, a, a fracture in his foot, um, foot or ankle. I, I think it's I think it's foot. But yeah. um, so you know <laughs> the backup quarterback comes in Michael Gonzada and it's just not it's just not good. I mean objectively it's just not good uh jimbo didn't want to run the football and texas a&m escapes but you know texas a&m has not shown that they are at the level anywhere near alabama in two games Mm -hmm. they had a sluggish start against kent state and listen that defense is really good but they still struggle for explosiveness on offense and kudos to colorado i mean they kept that game close they had a chance to win it um they lose 10-7 but texas a&m like We've talked about last week, we talked about the teams around Alabama in the polls just not looking great and Alabama looking great. Now, Alabama did not cover the spread against Mercer. They gave up 14 points, so never know. Um, But, you know, whether it's Clemson and Georgia struggling to find offense, whether it's Ohio State barely escaping Minnesota, then losing to Oregon. You know, Texas A&M has a chance to really establish itself as the second best team in that division. I mean, LSU is down. Auburn has a new coach. Ole Miss, like, is a trendy pick. I don't know if they're all the way there. But this should be A&M's year to contend with Alabama and and um, contend for the playoff. They were, they were right there last year. I haven't seen it yet, and we'll see. Um, I think they have 
is it Rice this week or is Rice playing Texas? They right. Rice they, is playing they, Texas. Okay, Texas. so they they've got uh they've got New Mexico. This okay, week. New Mexico. So yeah. kind of a cupcake cupcake game this week, and then it's it's Arkansas and at Jerry's World next week, and mm-hmm. that's the SEC game of the week. They already announced it, so that's a big one. I mean, that's a big one. They're not going to have their starting quarterback, and we'll see if Jimbo can scheme and 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 put his young quarterback, his new backup, in a position to be successful. So that was another game that kind of caught my eye. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the couple, a couple, a few games there. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this was a good week for college football. There wasn't, like I said, there wasn't those marquee matchups, but there were, like you said, games in and out where you're like, okay, this is something to pay attention to. Um, Notre Dame snuck by Toledo by three points. Yeah. Um, you know, also like we, 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 we should mention the Jacksonville state Hail Mary. Yes. This is awesome. Yes. I, um, like I, I was, I caught a little bit of that game because like Florida State was up seven nothing, or they were down seven nothing, and I was like, all right, I'll flip this on. I I changed it, or I I went back. It was seventeen seven, and I was like, all right, this is done. And then Lucas just texts us in the group chat, Jacksonville State. That's something. I was like, what? Yeah, that was no. such a lazy, awful <laughs> attempt at coverage by Florida State. One, they were in the wrong defense. They were either in cover one or cover two. And Mike Norvell said after the game, he said, well, there were six seconds left. They had a timeout. So we were guarding against them basically throwing like a 10, 20 yard, um, you know, pass, taking a timeout and then kicking what would have been like a 50 yard field goal. Mike, do you hear yourself? (laughs) An FCS team is going to complete a 20 yard pass. And then an FCS kicker is going to make a 50 yarder to send it to (laughs) overtime. Or you play cover four. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, just inexcusable effort. Cover four deep, like don't you, let the ball you, keep everybody. You put in front your of tight you. ends back there, like whatever it is. You put your tallest receivers back there, and the effort by the players, like to try awful. to tackle the Jacksonville State, it's just bad, man. He it's just it bad. Like, he caught it like the fifteen yard line, like it wasn't like this, this is was a hail mary in the end zone. And uh, <laughs> I like, I I kind of have this like trend now of like when big programs lose, I try to find like their like like post game shows on YouTube. So I, I, I found that and I was listening to some of the calls and it is getting very hot for Mike Norvell because first time ever Jack's um, and FCS team beats Florida State. Florida State's been bad the last couple of years, but their first ever loss to an FCS team doesn't come under Willie Taggart, doesn't come under Jimbo Fisher when he checked out the last couple of years. Comes under comes under Mike Norvell. They had a lot of positive momentum on the recruiting trail. They had some positive, like they had some new facilities. They were talking about redoing the stadium. And now you're talking about another coach on the hot seat and, and Florida state needs to go six and four to win a bowl game. And you still got to play Florida in the non-conference. So I'm interested to see, I don't know if Florida makes Florida state makes another change after two years, after they fired Taggart in a second year, but it's very hot, very hot for Mike Norvell right now. Yeah. They still it's got get, Clemson too. On yeah. Their schedule, still, which yeah it's still getting kind of, <laughs> Florida state. don't think they're making a bowl game. Well, and they did. Cause I was just going to bring up too. They, they couldn't do what, their one of their other rivals did and that was miami and that was just squeak out like yeah survive for it because miami nearly got upset by probably should got got upset by uh by but, appalachian state yeah. i would love to know well, uh, who scheduled who wrote this schedule for miami you go bama on a neutral then you play app state which is one of the best group of five teams in a game that is a no-win situation mm-hmm. you blow out app state nobody cares you should have blown out app state you 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 lose, it's awful. And if you play the game you played on Saturday, it's like, uh oh, what's up with Miami? And now they have Michigan State at home. 
who like looks pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you still got to play Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> they, they, uh, they, gone are the halcyon days of the U. Yeah, you know. but no. Hey, at least they at least they got that win against App State because I that would have been awful if they would have uh, lost that game. But <laughs> anyways, all right. Uh, so oh, I was go I was ahead, gonna man. mention too, uh, Michigan just running all over Washington. Washington. Okay, so but, yeah, so yeah, let's let's I, let's table yeah. that thought because I was going to actually parlay this conversation into a more specific conference. Um. How can I put this? Big 12? Uh, di- no. Big 12? Wrong. Oh, <laughs> As our listeners know, I refuse to discuss the Big 12. In fact, they're so big that they're going to – that Cincinnati's a win when you lose Texas and Oklahoma. Okay. So, no, what I was going to say was let's kind of focus in on a conference that I think had the strangest weekend of any conference in college football. Okay? And that is the Pac-12 conference. So, Lucas is right there. Um Washington got harassed by Michigan. Okay. Arizona got boat raced by San Diego State. Arizona State looks wins but doesn't look convincing over UNLV. Although the helmets were fire. Helmets were hot fire in that Arizona State game. And then you've got the USC, you know, Stanford game, which was weird. We talked about that earlier. Oregon wins. What is going on in the Pac-12? Is this the conference of we're better lucky than good, or the conference of we do just enough to get by? Like what? Well, what's going on out there? Utah also lost to BYU too. A game they mm-hmm. were more than a touchdown favorite. Um, maybe you guys can speak to it more than me. I thought because it's funny because the Oregon win against Ohio State might have been the Pac-12's best win non-conference win in a while in a very long time yeah yeah and but so you have your one bellwether in the north that stood its ground but then you had your bellwether or at least you expect to be your bellwether in the south absolutely collapse against the stanford team that no one really had high expectations for this year and what i think most people would argue is the third or fourth best team in the pac-12 got absolutely boat raced again and has no offense in that being washington yeah. Scoring 10 points against letting up over 300 yards when they're supposed to be a good defensive team. And they let they only scored seven two weeks ago against an FCS opponent. They had um, a, um, I was watching the Michigan broadcast and ESPN had a graphic of it was like 18 straight drives Washington had without scoring points, which was like a record. <laughs> like, but I think they scored the first or second drive against Montana and they didn't score till the second or third quarter against Michigan. The like not even field goal, just like no yeah. points. Um, I don't. It's so hard to make sense of this conference. It really is. I think Oregon is exceptional, but let's face it, guys. We're going to be here one Monday night talking about how Oregon lost to Cal or Washington State on the road in a yeah. game that started at in a game that started at eleven o'clock Eastern, and and <laughs> three people saw the end. Like yeah. that's how this ends for Oregon. Yeah, we all like, know that. Like, like, like they will if, be if up, Oregon's ever in a light, like, seven night points. game. Yes, like they're they, Oregon's not going undefeated. We know that. Yeah. If they get yeah. one loss, yeah. we'll be happy. Yeah, Oregon's going to be up seven points going into the fourth quarter. We're all going to turn it off, go to bed. 
Yes. Cal is going to score 10 unanswered points. There's going to, like, the field goal is going to, like, break in off the right post. Yes. On the right upright, you know, as time expires. And then, you know, we turn into Rob Schneider from the from the water boy. Oh, shit, we suck again. Like, that's what happens. <laughs> I think a couple things. Like, one, I think Oregon, with the win at Ohio State, has a good enough resume to be in the playoff discussion with a loss. Like I think Oregon, Oregon should be able to afford a loss, right? Because Clemson has a loss. Ohio state has a loss. One of Georgia or, or Alabama events is going to lose. Oklahoma looks very, very vulnerable. We'll see how they look against Notre Nebraska. Dame looks. Notre Dame hmm. looks very, very pedestrian. Texas A&M looks very pedestrian. Like the elites of college football besides Alabama just don't look great yet. We'll see if that changes. Um, the South is just wide open. I mean, it is clearly – I mean, USC fired their coach. Like, I don't know how you fire your coach and you win your win your division. Maybe Dante Williams, who is a really good recruiter. I believe he's their secondary coach. Um, maybe he takes over and, and works his way into getting the job. Um, but, you know, Utah losing at BYU. ASU, I think, has looked pedestrian as well the first couple games. But – I wonder if that's just we don't want to show anybody anything or we can't get up for these games. You know, is UCLA the second best team in the conference? Probably right now. You know what I'm saying? So it's just it's a weird state of affairs because you're right, Patrick. The day starts with Oregon winning the noon game, the big game on Fox. Like like it's further ends with it ends with. Utah losing at BYU in a rivalry game and USC getting stomped by Stanford. It's like, such it's, a Pac-12 day. It's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> further proof that the Pac-12 conference is the conference of what? Like, that's exactly we what it was. We, like, we don't know. Like, you, you, you think you get up, but you're like, okay, the Pac-12 is playing very winnable games all day. The only game that was really in question was the, you know, so you got Oregon, Ohio State. Like, you're like, okay, maybe Ohio State wins that game. Oregon gets an upset. You figure, all right, cool. You know, Washington probably drops that game against Michigan. Cool, that happens. But you're not thinking that Arizona, who looked at least decent against BYU the week before, is going to come in and just get absolutely mauled by a San Diego State team. You're not- Arizona was favored in that game, by the way. They, yeah. they, they were somehow a favorite in that game. <laughs> yeah. And somehow I didn't bet my whole mortgage on San Diego State. Yeah. Two multiple errors were made that night by me. Yeah. And um, then you figure, you I, figure Washington State, okay, they're going to beat Portland State. Cal TCU was actually a decent football game, all said and done. Mm-hmm. But, like, you're just – you're thinking, like, maybe this is the day that, like, the Pac-12 just, like, the stars align and they figure it out. But no. They're like, no, we're the uh, conference of uh, mediocrity, and you think you're going to win, but for every, like, good win, we're going to cost you four. Like, what the f- – I hate the Pac-12. Uh, I, I do have a question, though. What is a more toss-up division right now, the Pac-12 South or the ACC Coastal? Mm. Mm. I think the South is because I really only – well, I don't know, man. Virginia looked really good, too. <laughs> Virginia, like, Pitt, yeah. Pitt beat, yeah. Man, that's a really good question. So it's got to be – So it's got to be – I think it's the coastal, but it's got to be well because they're toss-ups for different reasons, right? Although, like, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think Miami's that good either. But like yeah. in the ACC like, coastal, are, like, are we sure Miami's good? But like in the ACC coastal, you've got a collection of like, are they good? But then they'll show you flashes. In the Pac-12 South, you've got a bunch of nobody looks good, but somebody has to win. Okay, but hang on, like UCLA did beat LSU. Yeah. Now LSU didn't really set the world on fire against McNeese. They yeah. won thirty-four-seven. 
and we're like down in the, or they were only up seven, nothing in the second quarter, but yeah, um, that's a really good question. Lucas. I, um, I'm just trying to think in my head of how many teams could I realistically see winning each division? Like realistically, I could see any of the four, any of the four teams, not Colorado, Arizona winning the South in the coastal. I think Miami, Virginia tech and North Carolina could all win the division. I don't think Virginia can, but I'm intrigued by this game this Saturday with Virginia, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably say the Pac-12 South, mm-hmm. but it, it's close. It's close. That's a good point. What? No, I just bring it up because, yeah, Virginia looked good with Pitt with the win. And we, Miami not looking great. North Carolina and their one tough game looked awful. Um, and Virginia Tech is just kind of a wild card. But, no, it should be uh, pretty interesting, though. Uh, seeing how both of those unfold, especially if UCLA can keep up their type of play. I'm intrigued to watch them kind of the rest of the year. Now, moving moving conferences, okay? I'm done kind of dumping on the conference I've devoted my life to. Let's move to Lucas's conference. No, ladies, not the SEC. I'm talking about the Big Ten. Um, kind of a, kind of a, 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 a week in the Big Ten. Um, again, you got the big... Iowa, you got the big Ohio State loss, but you've got the big Iowa win to kind of counter that ball. Wisconsin gets back on. Penn State kicks the ever-loving crap out of Ball State. Wisconsin looked better. Illinois looked. I've been impressed with Penn State, by the way. That was not an easy team in Ball State. They had like 16 super seniors. They won the MAC last year. Um, They looked. They've looked good. And Penn State, like I picked Ball State in a parlay plus 22 and a half, and. uh, it was never a doubt for Penn State. They and I thought maybe coming off a big win at Wisconsin can, can, and looking ahead to can Auburn. I give, can I give a disclaimer real quick? Um, sure, go ahead, listeners. Um, I think you're finding out that Ryan's not a very good gambler. So I'm leading. I'm leading the picks. By the way, I'm six oh, yeah. and three in the picks. Uh, I'm leading the picks. So get out of here with that. Get out of here. It was a bad <laughs> week. It was a bad week. Everyone was funny a bad is, week. my my picks for the show. I went two and one. The other picks, I went zero oh and zero oh and four. No, only three. <laughs> so yeah. So, so take the picks I give you here, but don't don't listen to me. Yeah, if you follow him on Twitter, just don't. So here's a question for you guys: Do you know what the biggest spread this week was in the Big Ten? Without looking at it, uh, uh, was that? Was oh, that, it was uh, Purdue. It was Purdue, Purdue. minus uh, thirty? I think they were minus thirty-three against you. Correct. So, but no, I was actually going to say what the biggest spread of the final scores was. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Maryland, right? Maryland, yeah. Right now. 62 nothing over Howard. They beat Howard, though. Like, Howard. let's not. Are, are we going to break that game down, too? No, no, we're not. I just, North, like I'm just, I just like to point out that Maryland figured out how to score 62 points. Hey, hey we do get Maryland and Illinois on a Friday night this week. Well, God, sign me up, baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Is Beth on the call? Um, get me Beth Mullins. Let me ask you this, Lucas. Here's a here's a question for Lucas and Patrick, if you if you would like to answer, is should Ohio State be worried in the Big Ten East with how good Penn State's yes. looked, with how decent to good Michigan's looked in their their first two games? Are what's your is there any concern for Ohio State that they are maybe not even the best team in the, in the division? A little bit. I think their biggest worry is Penn State. My, my thing with Michigan is since they lost Ronnie Bell, I don't know how they're going to be able to really stretch the field. Um, but they can run the hell out of the football, and that's what Ohio State has been struggling with. That being said, I, you can't be one-dimensional di- one playing Ohio State. 
But Penn State has looked good. I think they've looked the best out of all the Big Ten teams, getting a big road win against Wisconsin. And as you mentioned, Ryan, not an easy group of five team to play against in Ball State. Um, and they absolutely destroy them. I'm very much looking forward to their game against Auburn uh, this week because Auburn really hasn't played anybody up to this point. Um, but I would say Penn State is the closest. I still think Ohio State has the edge just because I like Ohio State's off. Like if that game gets into a shootout, I trust C.J. Stroud and those receivers much more than I do um, uh, Penn State. And Penn State isn't a great running team. They struggle uh, mightily against Wisconsin to run the football. Um, so I think there's a lot more worry than I had at the beginning of the season, but I still think Ohio State is still the best team in that division. And Ohio State gets them at home. Ohio yes, State hosts exactly. Penn State the day before Halloween, which mm-hmm. will be interesting. Um, you know you know what game I've got circled? I, yeah. Ohio State Rutgers. No. Oof. Oof. I'll tell you what, Maryland looks pretty damn good. I mean, they beat West Virginia on the road. Uh, maybe it was on the road. Um, but yeah, they it was beat, at West Virginia. Yeah, the, the, there's something. Yeah, they, beat, they beat West Virginia, and then they smoke Howard. We'll see what they do against the Friday Bread fighting Brett Bielema's. I can't even say the name of the team. I'm not even going to say the name of the team. The, <laughs> just, the, the fighting BB. They're just the fighting Bielema's at this point. It's how the fighting Illini. Are you, are you sure, are you sure <laughs> that they could be the fighting Illini? Hey, I think I think our dream is in a couple of years that Kansas and Illinois play each other in like the Alamo Bowl, and it's the fighting <laughs> Lance Bowl. There's the fighting Brett Bielema's. Um <laughs> I think the West. I think the East is going to be very competitive. Michigan State yes. looked good against Northwestern. Maryland looks pretty good. Even I mean, Rutgers is doing some things. The East is very competitive. I mean, the West. I still. I'm not going to count Wisconsin out of it. I don't think Iowa's as good as the fifth best team in the country. So, listen, you could very well make the you, case that the Big Ten is the best conference in the in, in the in the in the country. Now, yeah. is this, now is this is this a function, especially in the Big Ten East? Is Ohio State starting to basically regress back to the mean in the Big Ten? Or is everybody kind of just getting better? Uh, I think it's more regression towards the mean, I would say. Because my thing is, I still think uh, Ohio State is by far still the most talented team. They might not be a top five level team this year, but they're at least for sure still a top ten. And I don't know yet what Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, those teams are like yet. So I think it's I think this is just one of those cases where if you're going to get Ohio State in a year, this might be the best year to get them with a young quarterback with a defense that is still kind of figuring it out. Um, but I also think too, Penn State has always been recruiting well. Um, in Michigan, maybe Harbaugh found a thing, and they're just going to go all Stanford and San Francisco 49ers, and they're just going to run it till you can't stop it. So yeah, I, I, I think it's hard to be. Alabama every year like Nick Saban has spoiled a lot of people with just how dominant the Crimson Tide are every year it's just not like that I mean you look at what Ohio State has lost right when you think about the great receivers they've lost when you think about the great running backs they've lost losing Justin Fields like you just don't know right and and I'm sorry but breaking in a new quarterback and having to play at Minnesota in a primetime night game and then hosting Oregon like it's it's not easy it's not like they played you know, Akron and Ball State, you know, it was tough games. So I think it's still likely Ohio State finishes 11-1. and one. Um, Could they get caught by Penn State? Could they get caught by um, Michigan? I don't know, Lucas, does Wisconsin play Ohio State this year or no? They do not. 
you're so not like, yeah, I mean, I don't think they play Iowa either. So like, you're probably not going to, but um, I still don't know what we have in Penn State. I mean, I think this is going to be a big week for them against Auburn. Um, but I'd also like to point out, big game here, guys. Ryan, when we are in Tennessee with Lucas, September 25th at 12.30, our time. Ohio State is in the big house. Oh, so big game there. Wait, what? They play, uh, they play Akron. So, no, Ohio State's at Michigan on the 25th. Of September. They are not at Michigan. They are not at Michigan. No, no, that's Rutgers. Never mind. I'm looking at the wrong schedule. My apologies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was gonna say Michigan, they play that's it's always, always the, last, it's always the last, last game, game of the year. year. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop talking. They play they play they play Akron uh the uh the weekend. Oh, uh, we should bet money on Akron and just go on for <laughs> just the ride. Watch, just bet money just, on Akron. Whatever the yeah. line is like forty eight. Well, the thing is with Ohio State. They really don't. They're really their next big game is really Penn State, and they don't play them until Halloween weekend. They've got Tulsa, Akron, at Rutgers, Maryland. I guess maybe at IU, but I don't think IU is as good as they were last year before they play Penn State. So they could easily work out some kinks before that game comes. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I wish they were playing Michigan on the twenty fifth. That'd be awesome, but uh, unfortunately, we got we got a handle for the Akron Zips who might not win a game all year. I know the answer is is yes, but like Ohio State, assuming like Michigan isn't like a top ten team, that resume is not great. Good, no, it's just not like they unlucky they didn't draw Iowa or Wisconsin from the east from or from the west. They they drew Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska, so they're gonna have. I mean, Penn State's their their big one. We'll see if Maryland maybe gets ranked or you know you never know with Indiana. I don't think Indiana is that great, but. They had kind of a, a nice bounce back week, um, but it's going to be interesting. I think the same thing with Clemson. It's going to be hard for these teams to find quality wins, and they kind of already lost their chance with losing to Oregon. So I, I, what I like about this year in college football, guys, overall, is there just seems to be a lot more intrigue at the top. Like I do think you could see a couple new playoff teams this year, whether it's Oregon, and I know they made it before, but that was a, a long time ago. Um, you know, maybe it's Oklahoma gets in again. Maybe it's Texas A&M. Maybe it's Georgia. Maybe it's, you know, another ACC team, or maybe it is Penn state, or maybe it is Iowa. Maybe, like, yeah, maybe it's Iowa. You know, Lucas would, Lucas would just lose it. If it's, if, if Iowa makes the playoff before Wisconsin, boy, oh, there, there is a pathway oh. where Arizona state does make it to the playoff, by the way. No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would mean, that would mean Arizona state has to be good. good. So, we'll, Patrick said that to me on Saturday. I'm like, dude, no, like, no, they're not. There's a pathway. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it is. Now, it's possible. No, this is what's going to happen. There's a pathway for it's, Wake Forest to make it as well. Be, no, it's going to no, be. There's it's not. Be, we're, we're, we're saying this thing. This is what's going to end up, and it's going to be everyone's least favorite playoff because it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, and Clemson. That's what's. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm worried. I'm I I'm worried it, that there will be a Big Ten team like Iowa that'll sneak in, have to play Alabama for the during the first college football playoff game, and get just boat raced, like well, just just slaughtered. Kind of like how Michigan State got slaughtered against uh, Alabama. In yeah, that, what was that like forty-five nothing or something like that? Yeah, like there's just it. Yeah, no, no. All right, boys. Well, we talked about our two favorite conferences. Is there anybody we left off? Um, I'm trying to think. Nothing. There was really nothing substantial in the Big 12. 
Texas losing, we covered. Oklahoma beat Western Carolina by a ton. Iowa State we covered. So we, uh, Ryan, um, we didn't we didn't mention Missouri and Kentucky. Boy, game. there was a reason for that. <laughs> boy, oh boy. <laughs> Bet the Missouri money line on that but, one. Uh, uh, it was, it was I legit thought Missouri was better than Kentucky. I, I did too. I almost took that when you. T- I was like, "That's a that's a really good yeah. bet." Yeah. And um, Kentucky, yeah. Uh, I think Kentucky has a chance against Florida in a couple weeks, but yeah, we can talk about that later. But, I think Kentucky's the third best team in that in that in that division. division. I mean, that's oh, not yeah. saying much. South yeah. Carolina barely escaped East Carolina. Vanderbilt certainly isn't the third best team well, in Tennessee. Like. Tennessee got better when their quarterback got injured. I'm sorry to say, like Joe Milton gets injured. Joe Milton, the the athleticism is there. You can tell why he was rated so high. Um, he just is not accurate, and that's a huge part of yeah. being a quarterback, man. He was missing. I mean, all these deep throws, they just run four verts with Tennessee. They just run yeah. go routes, and he just misses them. Um, <laughs> and shout out to Pitt for getting a big win. But Tennessee is going to score, like, the overs in Tennessee games could be a nice little play because they're going to score some points with Josh Heupel. But... And, and their backup's not terrible. It's Hennon Hooker. He was yeah. started at Fought Tech the last couple yeah, of yeah. years and put some pretty good numbers. So, um, yeah, interested to see them kind of the rest of the way, I think. Um, yeah, otherwise, I don't think there was anything. You guys kind of mentioned TCU Cal I thought was a fun game. And then, um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting. Uh, I had a group of five game I wanted to talk about. And it is completely slipping my mind right now. Um, but um, Cincinnati yeah, just kind of humming yeah. along. Down after the first quarter to Murray. Um, it's a good thing they play four of them I, then. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, Patrick. Um, oh, I guess I was gonna. I was gonna talk about the Western Kentucky Army game. Fun game, Brian Zapp. Um, had a storyline. I think it was two weeks ago. He threw for like eight touchdowns or something like that. Um, uh, one of their kind of their tune-up games, uh, but it was kind of a backdoor cover. I think uh, Army was favored by I think it was like seven and a half or something like that against Western Kentucky, and they scored earlier. But uh, fun game. Western Kentucky is a really fun team to play. They're kind of one of those they're going to just try to outscore you. Um, and they actually play IU in a couple of weeks, which I think could be could be an interesting game. I saw a thing on Twitter, and it was it was uh, it was like the two drive charts back to back, and it was Army like fourteen plays, seventy five yards in eight yeah. minutes, and then it was Western Kentucky two plays, sixty yards, or two plays, eighty yards in in forty five seconds, and they were like, "This is the epitome of what this game's going to be." <laughs> <laughs> you want to uh, yeah, start looking so, ahead so, so yeah, so let's let's look ahead here. Um, games that you are excited about this week. I think like last week, there are some intriguing like matchups that we don't get a lot. The two headliners, obviously Bama, Florida in the swamp. Bama hasn't been there in over a decade. And then Auburn, Penn State. Um, Auburn, Penn State's the late ABC game, 730 Eastern. Um, it's a whiteout. It's going to be a real cool environment. Auburn has looked great in their first two games under Brian Harson, but they've been against Akron, who might be the worst FBS team, and Alabama State. Um so I'm interested to see, like, because, again, we talked about, like, that SEC West behind Bama is kind of wide open. So Auburn has a chance to really make a statement. And so does Penn State. Like, this is a big chance for Penn State to get a nationally televised game and get a big win. It's a big win. It's a big game for Sean Clifford. It's a big game for James Franklin, who's going to have to answer questions about Tennessee or um, about uh, USC for the next 
two months. Um, so those are the two big ones, but a couple smaller ones I'm interested in, like Michigan State Miami is in the noon game on ABC. I think that's intriguing. Um, Michigan State I think has progressed nicely under under Mel Tucker, and Miami like I just wonder if this schedule is going to keep going to catch up with them. I mean, just tough games, physical games. Derek King doesn't look like himself. He just really doesn't. Um, and Michigan State ran all over Northwestern in that first game. Kenneth Walker had 264 yards. <laughs> and then I think for all of us here, the Sun Devils against BYU is a big one for, you know, ASU, I, I think have just kind of looked pedestrian the first couple weeks. Um, and this is the chance that's going to be a whiteout in Provo. You, uh, BYU is coming off a big win over Utah. And we'll see. This is a big chance for ASU. Going to be on ESPN. BYU's ranked, so a chance for ASU to kind of make a statement. Granted, again, the game's going to end at like 2 a.m. Eastern time, so no one's going to be up to watch it. None of the you know East Coast AP voters. But I think it's a big one for ASU as well. Yeah, I think uh, piggybacking, kind of coming back towards, uh, towards the Big Ten. We, we talked about Penn State-Auburn, but Cincinnati at Indiana. I think is a huge game kind of for both sides. Cincinnati, this is really their first true test. We talked about, they might out of all the group of five teams, they might have the best chance to potentially make the playoff, just how their their schedule sets up. They have Indiana um, and then they play Notre Dame. So this is one of their first, their big tests. Indiana also just trying to see how good they are this year um, after kind of a a stinker against Iowa, if they regress. Um, and then also, too, uh, I think another one that's kind of a fun group of five is uh, Coastal Carolina at Buffalo. Uh, obviously, we know uh, kind of the same situation with Cincinnati uh, last year. Coastal Carolina, we know what they did. Uh, playing Buffalo, who game loses a little bit of intrigue just because I don't think Buffalo is the same team they were last year. Uh, but a fun group of five. And another one, kind of a mid-tier Power Five conference game. And I think that's Minnesota at Colorado. Uh Minnesota, I thought, looked relatively impressive against Ohio State. They struggled last week against Miami of Ohio. And then, obviously, we were just talking about Colorado uh, a little bit ago against A&M. Really kind of, uh, I think, impressed a little bit, especially defensively um, and how they contain Texas A&M. And, you know, I said on the podcast last week, those kind of those mid-tier Power 5 games, I think, are important because they kind of shape the perception of the rest of your league. Um, those top teams need those middle teams to be good. And if they're not, it, it it hurts your resume for your top-tier team. So I think kind of looking at that, especially after the week the Pac-12 had, I think is important. So I found one game here that I would say I would rather watch the debate teams than the football teams this week. Do you know which game I'm talking about? What's that? Smart people versus more smart people. Northwestern. Vandy and Stanford, baby. Now, well, Vandy and Stanford's a good pick, but I'm talking about the Northwestern. Oh, Northwestern is heading east to play in Durham against Duke. Like, you want to talk about a bunch of smart people playing football? That's the game. How about the the fact that we get Duke, Northwestern, and Vanderbilt, Stanford on the same weekend? Yeah. How about that? Um, Big kind of a crossroads game, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. For for Duke, Northwestern, I mean. Yeah. Well, they should. They should form their own alliance. They when should the ASC, like uh, it should just they should be a round robin where they just like, flip like, each like, other each like, year. Yeah, we should call it uh, the uh, so you think you're an Ivy League school, basically. Yeah, and kind of throw Stanford in there, Northwestern, Duke. Yeah, 
Um, Duke and Northwestern is just interesting to me because Duke has looked bad the first two games. They they lost to Charlotte week one. They struggled a little bit with North Carolina A&T week two. They, they ended up winning 45-17, but it wasn't pretty. And Northwestern like gets beat pretty bad by Michigan State. Kind of came back and made it a game, but uh, mm-hmm. did not look great. And then beats Indiana State 24-6. So, like, both teams are one and one. Both teams have bad losses and a win over an FCS team. Like, this is kind of like, you know, winner not saves its season, but like, winner probably gets a bowl game, loser probably doesn't. Like, some game like that. Like, that's got some intrigue. And then mm-hmm. I'm just kind of interested to see what stamp what Stanford team we get. Like, is Stanford more of playing Kansas State or is it more of playing USC? Vanderbilt might be the worst Power Five team. I still believe that. Um, you should go into Vanderbilt. You should go into Vandy and win that game by two or three touchdowns. So, but that's easily a game that I could see Vandy hanging around and it's like a 10 point game in the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I just don't know what, I don't know what Stanford is because Stanford really has a chance to be that second best team in that North. And Hmm. if you struggle with Vanderbilt, like, so, and just looking ahead to our pick section, which here I know we'll get to soon. I don't think they're going to struggle with uh, Vanderbilt. God, I hope they don't struggle when we get talking about our picks, too. Okay. So, Ryan, (laughs) let's move right into our picks then. Ryan, give us an update on the standings for picks. Okay. So, go over our picks from last uh, week because some of us didn't pick on air. That's my fault. Sure. So, last week I went two and one. Mm -hmm. I had the under in the Air Force Navy game at 40 and a half, never a doubt. I had Iowa State, I had Iowa plus three and a half in my upset pick, never a doubt. And I had Texas minus seven and a half as my lock. Always a doubt. Actually, kind of, kind of never a doubt either. Um, <laughs> Patrick, you went one and two. You had Michigan minus six and a half as your win. You had Idaho plus thirty and a half as your as your lock, as your upset. They lost fifty six fourteen Indiana. And then you had Ohio State minus fourteen and a half. They lose to Oregon. Lucas went a perfect three and zero. Oh. Purdue minus 33 and a half, never a doubt. App State, a correct upset pick at plus eight and a half over. Uh, they didn't win, but they covered against Miami. Mm-hmm. And then Michigan was his lock, minus six and a half, never a doubt. By the way, um, we have done nine upset picks, three each week, one for each of us. We've only gotten two right. We're two and seven <laughs> in our upset pick. Uh, Patrick had Georgia plus three and a half as a win, and Lucas had App State plus eight and a half. So I have not gotten an upset pick yet. <laughs> So, really, actually, no. I'm sorry. We're three and six. I got Iowa. I, I got Iowa. So for the season, I'm six and three. Patrick and Lucas both five and four. Take it. Okay. Who would like to go first? Patrick, so go let's or, start. Patrick, let's start. Let, let's let's start right out of the gates with our locks. What are we locking down this week? Um, I will start with mine. Um, I picked this team week one. In, in our picks and they didn't fucking hold up their end of the bargain. So I'm going to pick against them this week. I'm going to take Oklahoma minus 22 and a half over the Nebraska Cornhuskers um, at home. Oklahoma, I think last week kind of figured some stuff out. And let's just be honest. Oh, Nebraska's just not good. They're just not good. Just I, not good. I looked at that as well. I, I think that's a three or four touchdown game. And especially because Oklahoma didn't look good against Tulane. And this is their kind of first chance to get back in the good graces of the public. So I like that pick, Patrick. I like that pick. Um, I'm going to go Stanford minus 11. That, that's that's my lock. When I saw the line, I said, man, 
Vanderbilt lost to East Tennessee State by 20. Like, I just think Stanford should be able to do that as well. I think they found something in McKee, who they replaced at quarterback after the Kansas State game. Um, I'm going to go with Stanford minus 11 as my lock of the week. So my lock, it's the same game, Ryan, as yours. I got, and I can show video or photo proof of this. I got Stanford at 10 and a half for that game. So are we, do we want everyone, if we're picking the same game to have the same lines or how are we? It would be ideal. (sighs) It would be ideal. Because I got Ohio State on the same line you did a couple weeks ago. That's true. It's true. Lucas, for the sake of the podcast, will you do Stanford minus 11? Is I will that- do minus 11. I think they're going to win by two touchdowns. So yeah, I, will okay. do, I will take minus 11. Okay. I just wrote that. I just had it down because um, <laughs> that's what I I got it at when I picked it. But I'm taking Stanford too. I I wrote down minus 111 on the sheet. Do you still want Stanford minus 111? <laughs> it's still my cover. It's still mine. I mean, yeah, Vandy barely had to come back from behind to beat a not very good Colorado State team on the road. Um, and good for Vandy. They got one win. They'll probably get another one against UConn in a few weeks. But I, I like where Stanford went with uh, – is it Tanner McKee, their new quarterback? Tanner McKee, yeah. Uh, I can remember his first name. Yeah, yeah with, was a former five-star uh, quarterback recruit. Um, they start, uh, t- started him this week, and their offense looked completely different. So I like where Stanford's heading. And I think this lock, I may try to go to this game. Tickets were going for $6 um, on StubHub. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that is my, also my lock for the week. All right. And regular picks this week, just kind of games or spreads that we think are going to go particularly well. Ryan, let's start with yours. Um, I'm taking Penn State minus six against Auburn. Um, I don't think Auburn's proven much this year. Um, the wins over Akron and Alabama state don't do much for me. I don't trust Bo Nix. I think that's going to be a rocking atmosphere and Penn state is one of those teams that's going to want style points. And if you're Penn state and after three weeks, you can show me wins over Wisconsin and Auburn. I think that catapults them into the top six, top five discussion. So I'm going to go uh, Penn state minus six at home against the Auburn Tigers. Real, real quick, actually guys, before we move on. So I'm looking at our, our records here. Our picks are eight and one, like just our picks are eight and one. Our upsets are three and six and our locks are five and four. So that's pretty good. Like yeah. our <laughs> funny thing is our, our picks, which the ones that we're not supposed to be super sure on are actually at hitting like 80 something percent. So anyway, <laughs> regardless, my pick Penn state minus six against Auburn. Lucas. I so I'm actually doing a total points total for this one, and I am taking Virginia UNC 64 and a half over. Um, I took the Virginia over last week. It almost hit if Illinois wasn't complete dog shit in the fourth quarter on offense. <laughs> it probably would have hit easily. Uh, but I was impressed with Virginia and Brennan Armstrong, and I think this is going to be a fun shootout game. That's how I feel like a lot of times UNC won games last season with Sam Howell. I know their offense hasn't been clicking here, but I think this is, I believe this is in Chapel Hill. I think this will be a fun game. Um, I think the winner will score close to 40 points. So I'm taking the over in Virginia and North Carolina. Fair enough. My pick for this week, I'm going to take the Texas Longhorns money minus 25 and a half over Rice. 
Um, they're at home. They're in Austin. Rice is a lot of nothing good. And I think Texas after last week, I think Sark's going to go back into the lab. They do have a new starting quarterback, which does worry me a little bit. But honestly, he looked good in the back half of that game when he came in in relief. So Texas minus 25 and a half versus a Rice team that honestly I just don't think is very good. This should be four touchdowns. Wrap it up. Kind of like they did in week one where it was like, cool, never in doubt. Score your touchdowns. Get off the field. Call it a night. I like it. I like it. I'm just always late about these big spreads. Like for some <laughs> reason, like the tw- spreads in the twenties and thirties, it's just so, so, so because so, like, you just feel like you're always behind. You feel yeah. Like you're always yeah. There's you're playing like, catch oh, it's only, it's only 14, nothing in the first. Damn it. Yeah. Or if they like rice scores a touchdown or a field goal, you're like, yeah. Oh no. Like, it's, no. it's, yeah, it's seven to three at halftime. And you're like, shit. Yeah. You're like, so oh, no. now I changed my, my upset pick from our previous meeting. So I'm going to go first. Um, I was originally looking at that Georgia Tech Clemson line, and I was like, no, I don't want any part of that. I took, I'm going to take San Diego State plus seven and a half at Utah. After seeing BYU, after seeing BYU, because I actually watched enough of San Diego State to actually kind of speak on this. Um, after seeing what BYU did to Utah, San Diego State had an incredible week against Arizona, against a Pac 12 team. I mean, Arizona, no one's going to confuse Arizona with Utah. One program is good. The other one is plays football in Tucson. Um, but I think San Diego State, if Utah wins this game by a touchdown, this is going to be a lot closer of a game than people think it is. San Diego, San Diego State plays really good defense up front. Um, and Utah offensive line against BYU didn't look entirely solid. So I think that San Diego State, if they can play the, the um, hold the line of scrimmage, the interesting thing in this game is the over-under is only 44 and a half. So this is going to be a fairly close game where teams are not going to score 30 some odd points. This game should be 24 to 17, maybe 24, 20, 20, 17, somewhere in that nice little sweet spot. And I think with that seven and a half point boost, I think San Diego state probably covers that spread. I like you doing like the money ball approach, you know, <laughs> taking the over-under low and being like, all right, that's a big spread. Cause you're right. It is a big spread for low over-under, yeah. right? If, like it's not it could be a 28 21 game you still cover and getting the hook is is nice for you so yeah. i like that um i'm going to go michigan state plus 6 and a half i'm going to go back to the lucas roadie fade miami i just think three tough games in a row it's going to be a, it's a noon game there's going to be 13,000 people there at hard rock stadium <laughs> it's going to be dead i i just think i think it'll be dead so i um there's there's people already starting to camp up for the dolphins game the next day <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. If, I don't know. If, did you guys see Where the, the video? Of the, did you guys see the uh, the video of the people saving the cat? Yeah, from Miami oh, it was like yeah, so great. Oh my god, it's amazing. Um, so I'm gonna take Michigan State plus six and a half. I think again, maybe they lose 24-20, 23-20, but I think they keep it close. I think they will run the ball. They will try to limit possessions. Derek King, I just don't think is back all the way. And I, I don't know if I trust Miami to have a third kind of big game in a row. So I'm going to take Michigan State plus six and a half at Miami. Very nice. Yeah. And you mentioned 13,000. I bet half of those are probably going to be Michigan State fans. Yeah. Right. Traveling to Miami for a nice vacation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Patrick, I'm actually in solidarity with you. I My upset was also San Diego State uh, plus seven and a half versus utah it's funny i took utah last week to cover seven and a half over byu um not on here but just with my regular bets 
Um, and I actually, Utah was my favorite to win to the, the Pac-12 South this year. Um, but I was just not super impressed last week, um, especially a quarterback with Charlie Brewer. Um, and I think San Diego State's really, really good. Once again, probably a low scoring affair, but I think something that San Diego State squeaks away by, I think they could potentially win this. If not, it's, it's going to be a very close game. So I will take the seven and I will take the points with San Diego State versus the Utes. Patrick, tell the people listening what your first upset. Oh, I told them already. I wanted Georgia Tech plus like 28 and a half. Oh, against Clemson. Clemson. I think you made the smart decision. Yeah, I was like, crazy I was like, SOB. <laughs> oh, I would have given you. That would have been lo- that would have been incredible. I think I took Georgia Tech like a year or two ago against Clemson. They were like 35 point fa- uh underdogs. I took Georgia Tech and Clemson won 59 to nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was like looking at I was like looking at it and I was like I was like, I don't know. Some of these big spreads can get kind of scary. If you if you convince me, I still my thing with Clemson is like I'm still waiting for DJ Ulungale to like really have that like breakout game. He's the first of the UNIs to sign a national commercial. Um because he's on the he's on the, the Dr. Pepper commercials with the Boz. And I'm like waiting for him to have like that breakout game. And the more and more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it'll be this week. He's going to hang 70 and I'm going to cry. Oh, and, and by the way, it wasn't 59, nothing last year that uh, they beat Georgia tech 73 to seven. There you go. So I think you made a, I think you made the smart move there. Probably. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. That that's, that's scary, man. Georgia tech. <laughs> losing, to, losing to NIU. Like, and oh, I, no Northern uh, in Northern Illinois was, I believe, zero and six last year in the MAC, so, and they lost by one. So a game, home. a game that Ryan and I played last week, which was kind of fun, is I'm sitting here on my FanDuel account, um, which is almost out of money again, but there's some freebies rolling in, so I'll get that. So I like to kind of scroll through here and just kind of look at some 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 lines from some games that you wouldn't normally pick, and kind of kind of gauge your guys' interest in what you'd do. Um, Saturday at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, Middle Tennessee visits UTSA. UTSA is 13 and a half point favorites. The over-under is 59 and a half. What should our viewers do? <laughs> I mean, Patrick, if you're going to do these, you got to give me a little bit more than... I mean, <laughs> listen, I mean, like UTSA has one over Illinois. Gut reaction. So I would, I would probably stay away. Not, I would not bet it, but I would probably take UTSA. I, okay. I guess. I, who who are they playing? Middle, Middle Tennessee. Tennessee. I don't. Even, I don't even know. If, I don't know if Middle Tennessee's good. But Middle Tennessee. They played uh, Virginia Tech last week. They lost by three touchdowns. Uh, Middle Tennessee. Hey, Middle Tennessee State's. Uh, I'll go for Middle Tennessee State just because they're the local team. They're like forty-five minutes from Nashville. Dude, your uh, local team's Vanderbilt. Had- Shut up. <laughs> Now, hey, if, when you guys, when you guys, no, this is funny though. When you guys fly in on on Thursday, you will see signs at the airport for MTSU, and it literally says Nashville's premier public university. It's like it's like forty miles south of so the, uh, of so the, so the only the only rule the only word in that statement that's true is public. Public, yes, <laughs> it is. It is actually surprisingly and university. Fun, fun that's fact, true. It, Middle Tennessee State actually has the biggest enrollment in the state. It's actually bigger than UT. I did not know that. Interesting. But 
I'll take, uh, actually, I really, it was thir- minus 13 and a half. Yep. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the points with MTSU on that one. All right. So one o'clock start time. I'm going to do a couple more of these just because, you know, I like to think that some of us are degenerates and we would just put money on anything. Pick the right crap. <laughs> um, Colorado State at Toledo. Toledo is 14 and a half point favorites. The over under is 58 and a half. Colorado State. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. 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 Toledo. Toledo. Toledo minus 14 and a half. The hook scares I, me a little bit, but Toledo. Yeah. I've already, I've already, I've already paid for this game and I took Toledo. Lucas is, Patrick's like, let me just go over some games that nobody in the right mind would want to pick. And Lucas is like, all right. All right. Already got already got action. And I was pissed because it dropped like two hours later to 13 and a half. Nice. Like, Shit. All right. Yeah, I got I got Toledo. Okay. So a team that kind of kind of gave Oklahoma, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, kind of gave Oklahoma pretty much everything it could in week one. Let me verify this real quick before I open my big stupid mouth. They did. Are you talking about uh, a team from New Orleans? Yes. The team from New Orleans. Um, Tulane kind of gave everything. Tulane. Tulane kind of gave everything that Oklahoma could. Tulane is at the road, on the road, to visit Lane Kiffin's squad. Tulane is underdogs. Ole Miss is favored by 14.5 points. The over-under is 74.5. Boys, what should they do? Does Tulane still run the triple option, Lucas? Do you know? So they run like a variation. They basically run it out of a shotgun, but they okay. do pass. Like Chris Pratt, or not Chris Pratt, um, their quarterback, his last name is Pratt. Actually, it was pretty good. I think he threw for over 200-some yards or something like that against Oklahoma. Um, so they do throw it. They do run it, but it's basically a triple option out of like the shotgun. With a lot of the RPO stuff, and you know, my my thought would be seventy four points is a ton for a team that's, that's going to run some triple options. So my play would probably be the under, but you know, you can make the hot take that Ole Miss is the second best team in the SEC West. So I would probably lay the points with Ole Miss, but yeah. probably take the under as well. And, and the the quarterback is Michael Pratt. He actually threw for two ninety six against Oklahoma, three touchdowns. They threw it forty five times. Um, what was that number, Patrick? I'm gonna put that. I'm gonna put that down on my sheet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Old Miss is favored by minus uh, Old Miss minus fourteen and a half over under seventy four and a half. That's a big over under for an option team, man. I just I don't know if like I need to see if Tulane actually runs like pickup or not pickup, but like if they run kind of up tempo. But that's, that's so last week. So week one they scored thirty five points against Oklahoma. It's Oklahoma. It is. It is Oklahoma. And then we scored sixty. They scored sixty nine against Morgan State. Yes. Well, maybe I'll take it off the list. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll uh, I'll take the over on that. Screw it. Life's too short to bet the under. Yep. So they're averaging fifty three points. They're averaging giving up thirty. Um. Averaging 197 rushing yards per game. So Tulane, the Green Wave. Yeah, like their helmets are awesome. Uh, oh, did Pratt get? Um, 
No. So, uh, so 74 and a half. What was the, what was the, what was the spread? Uh, 14 and a half. Okay. I'll take Dude, the I think, I think 14 and a half is a great number for Ole Miss. I mean, really? I, I think, I, I think Ole Miss could beat them by three touchdowns. But you know what? Maybe Tulane's good. I mean, Tulane played Oklahoma well, and they put up 69 against what, Morgan State, Moorhead State? Yeah. Morgan State. Morgan State Bears. Oh, I don't know. That's an interesting The one, Morgan right? State Bears. You also right. have to know, like, Tulane's basically been playing away from campus due to Hurricane Ida. Like, their last week mm-hmm. was played in Birmingham. I think that's where they've been pretty much practicing. Um, so that could also play a factor in that as well. Patrick, let's just let's get to the main event here, man. ASU BYU. Oh, Jesus. Three and a half. Three so... and a half. What are you doing with that? Like I just Okay, so so let's give no some idea. let's give some context to this. So it's Arizona State minus three and a half on the road at BYU. The over under is fifty one and a half. So I like Arizona State in this game. I kind of like the under too, to be honest. I like Arizona. ASU plays slow. They play slow. That the Arizona the Arizona State football team does not seem to have the Sun Devils don't have an issue running the football, right? Like that's going to be the thing that's like like the right the receivers are young. Jaden Daniels, for as good as we all thought he was going to be, like he's been kind of underwhelming. Like I remember two years ago, we were talking Jaden Daniels. Heisman candidate, and then it just never, like, it just never materialized. So, are we talking, you know, Ohio State? Are we or not Ohio State? Are we talking Arizona State? You know, the running team kind of controlling the clock, um, especially against better competition. Does the playbook kind of open up a little bit more? You know, there was that trick play they did run to score the touchdown um, in the third quarter the other night, which was kind of nice. You know, and they've kind of had some of those duck tricks in the past. I'm gonna I'm gonna take BYU with the points. I still think ASU could win. Like this isn't like a money line play for me, but you know, three if if you can get three and a half here, I mean this could be a field goal game. This could be a, a you know, twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty four, twenty one, twenty three, twenty. I think it could be that kind of a game. So I would I would probably now if it gets up to like if it gets up to four and a half, five, I I may play BYU. And if it gets down to like two or one, probably stay away. But I, I think this is going to be a close game. I worry about ASU's ability to run explosive plays on offense. So I would probably take BYU, but it's going to be close. Lucas? Yeah, I would. I probably will not bet on this game just because I, I could see it going either way. But if I if I had to pick, I would probably also go with BYU just because I feel like we know more about BYU because we've seen them play uh, two Power Five opponents. Um, did struggle a little bit against Arizona, but handled Utah pretty well. And I coming into the year, I thought Utah was better than ASU, so um, I would probably take BYU plus three and a half with the points, and probably would lean towards the under um, as well. I agree. Fair enough. Well, that has been uh, me looking at bets, so that way you don't have to. Well, boys, how do you think we did this week? You guys excited great for week. Good. It's fun. Great week. Good week for college football. I think it's going to be a great week. I think there's a lot of really intriguing games to watch. Um, and I think unlike kind of where things kind of puttered out, kind of going into, well, 
didn't really putter out, but I think this would be a good week at all. Um, Arizona State's going to be under the lights. You're going to get some top 25 matchups there. Arizona State, BYU. I think there's good games all over the place. So, yeah, I think it'll be a good week for football. Is there any thoughts you want to leave us with, Lucas? Um, No. We've been talking for about an hour and a half, Patrick. Sometimes sometimes the man just is out of words, man. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, any thoughts you want to leave us with? Um, I was trying to make like a bold prediction for the USC job, but I just, I don't feel good about it. So it's not going to be Antonio, Antonio Pierce. Somebody brought him up on Twitter. They were like, this is the under the radar. SoCal connected coach that might get the job. I was like, oh, man, no, no, USD wants to do things the right way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, boys, I think we did a wonderful job. I'm excited. Um, Real talk, all three of us are sitting in separate locations, but in a couple weeks, we will actually have our very first live episode of Running for the Roses, all three of us in one place, kind of talking some college football. We will be in Nashville um, here in a couple weeks. So, actually, Ryan, by this point in two weeks, we'll actually be on a plane back, already be back from Nashville. So, So, we'll already be back and tucked in. We won't do an episode because I'll be sick of your mugs after, you know, seeing them come nonstop for four days. But we will certainly put together a live episode, talk about the college football from the week that we will have enjoyed, maybe give you a little insight into the uh, the trip we had. But for the boys, I am Patrick Wagner, joined by my crack shot team of Lucas Rohde and Ryan Bapalukas. Y'all stay happy, stay healthy, and stay frosty. Have a good one.